Star Wars 7x7 episode 2352. Well, the return of Boba Fett last week in The Mandalorian, honestly, it really raises a lot more questions about his character. So we're going to discuss some of those today. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So my goodness, the survival of Boba Fett. Yes, this is something that people have been wondering about ever since Chapter 5 of The Mandalorian, The Gunslinger, with those mysterious footsteps near the end of the episode, or at the very end of the episode. And then of course, the appearance of him in Season 2, Episode 1 of The Mandalorian. That would be of course Chapter 9. And... You know, all right, here's the deal. Um, there are a lot of questions, so many questions that you could start with, like, how did he survive the Sarlacc, right? Like, obviously he did. You know, we'd love to know how that all happened. But ultimately, as I started brainstorming the list of questions that I have about Boba Fett and his appearance in The Mandalorian, really there is one particular question that kind of encompasses most, if not all of them for me. And that basically revolves around the fact that just to establish this, Return of the Jedi took place in 4 ABY, and this season of The Mandalorian is supposed to be taking place in 10 ABY. So there's been six years between Boba Fett's fall into the Sarlacc pit and his appearance here in The Mandalorian. And so I guess technically five years with his brief appearance at the end of chapter five of The Mandalorian. But if he is such a good bounty hunter, this is the question, if he is supposed to be such a good bounty hunter, why didn't he find his armor in the six years in between Return of the Jedi and The Mandalorian when he finally tracks down Mando in possession of it? Especially when it's known on Tatooine that there's somebody wearing that armor and has been for at least five years. I mean, the guy's on the same planet for pity's sake, right? And if somebody often, I mean, we don't know who the character played by John Leguizamo at the very beginning of the season of The Mandalorian, where Mando found out that there was a Mandalorian on Tatooine, right? Like, he knew about that, and who knows how long he'd been carrying around that information. Like, people off-world knew that there was somebody running around in Mandalorian armor on Tatooine and had been for some time. So, yeah, it just, it really strains credulity for me that he would be, Boba Fett would be on Tatooine for that many years and not have found the Mandalorian armor being worn by Cobb Vanth in all that time. And so then you jump to other conclusionary questions, right? Like, if you assume that he is that good of a bounty hunter, then there must be some other intervening thing that meant he wasn't able to search. So how injured was he when he came out of that Sarlacc pit? Like, has he been functional as a being for the last five years, six years, or not? I mean, we see Fennec Shand with a cybernetic gut is it possible that Boba Fett was so injured that he has cybernetics as well and he needed to recover based on whatever happened to him in the Sarlacc? And then there's the question of Slave 1, of course, which, you know, considering how quickly the off-world Jawas on Arvala 7 stripped the Razor Crest for parts when he left it sitting by itself, like... 
they're active Jawas on Tatooine, and they were at the Sarlacc Pit scavenging for all the stuff that happened after the Battle of the Sarlacc Pit. And Jabba's Palace was abandoned, and ultimately people left Jabba's Palace and were like, uh, yeah, you know, no huts coming back here. So we obviously don't know whether Slave One was parked at Jabba's Palace. And in Legends, I think it was left in orbit or something like that, which is, you know, another thing entirely. But I'm shocked that Slave One wasn't stripped for parts. And so it kind of makes me wonder whether Boba had access to Slave One for this entire time or whether he just recently reacquired Slave One. That's another thing that goes back to, my goodness, if Boba Fett had access to Slave One, then how come he didn't find his Mandalorian armor sooner, right? I mean, that just doesn't make sense at all. So it must be a recent acquisition. Or reacquisition, I guess. And a minor question that could use answering is how Boba lost his armor in the first place. We know it happened pretty quickly because it was in the possession of the Jawas in the Aftermath novels and acquired by Cobb Vanth during those novels, which took place between the years 4 and 5 ABY. So we know he lost it, but we don't know how he lost it, under what circumstances. And I'm guessing if it is actually the case that he just reacquired Slave 1, it must have been raided or something like that and not have all of its gear because you would think that Boba Fett would have had a stash of weapons on Slave 1, but he is still walking around with Tusken Raider weapons, right? So apparently he doesn't have access to his full complement of bounty hunter weaponry. So that's another reason why I wonder if that's the case. Like if this is all kind of recent stuff and he was out of commission for much longer than any of us really understands. And then we get to the question of the episode itself or the questions from the episode itself. First of all, it drives me crazy. Why when Din Djarin says, you know, are you a Mandalorian? Have you taken the creed, all this stuff? Like, why can't he just say, yes, I'm a Mandalorian. My dad was a Mandalorian. Like, you know, there's one brief mention of forebears, like, oh my gosh, just tell him you're a Mandalorian. Ah! It's just one of those, probably like a TV trope thing or a movie trope thing where people just don't say what you want them to say. So maybe I need to let that one go. But we talked in previous episodes about deal making with the Mandalorian. And here it is again, a situation where the Mandalorian and Boba Fett did not agree to the deal, right? They didn't agree to this swap for the armor in exchange for protection of him and the child. And, you know, trouble started before they ever shook on it or said, yes, okay, we'll do it, right? But Boba Fett saw his opportunity, grabbed the armor, and got it. My understanding is that Boba Fett is really more of a scoundrel than a you know creed-living Mandalorian. So I'm really surprised that he just didn't ditch Din and the child there and take off in Slave 1. He got his armor back. Like, why is he committed to this deal? There's just something about his character that I think we need to learn. Like, maybe his time in the desert was transformative to the way that he thinks about things that you know, he felt like he needed to honor this bargain that he had proposed, which is also kind of shocking because the child is essentially attached to the Jedi in some fashion. And as we know, Boba Fett's dad was killed by the Jedi. Boba Fett is really not a fan of the Jedi. So why he would want to offer to protect the child, 
I can't even imagine unless there was some sort of double cross that he was planning because of the fact that there's a huge bounty on the child to say nothing of the fact that he just hates Jedi in general, right? And I also want to know why Moff Gideon didn't blow up Slave 1 from orbit like he did the Razor Crest. I mean, he ought to have seen it, like their sensors ought to have picked it up on a sweep, or even when Boba Fett was flying it and flew it like right under the side, uh, right under the underside of Moff Gideon's cruiser, right? Why they didn't shoot at him then either. And yes, yeah, he was pursuing the Dark Troopers, so maybe they didn't want to risk hitting the Dark Troopers in the process, but once the Dark Troopers were in the landing bay, they could have opened fire on Slave 1 at any time, and they chose not to, and I don't understand why that either. But with all of my questions about all of this stuff, there's one thing that is making me be okay with sitting with these questions and not thinking to myself, oh, this is terrible. They haven't thought any of this through. And I'll explain my, you know, one comforting thought, if you will, in just a second. I do just want to give a brief shout out once again to toysfortots.org, the Marine Toys for Tots Foundation. They are making magic for children and families all over the U.S. Last year, they worked in more than 800 communities in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands. They are doing beautiful work and what strange and challenging times we live in, right? There are so many more immediate needs naturally, but if you have the opportunity to create a little magic in this very difficult time for a child or a family in need, please check out toysfortots.org. You can go to the national stuff, or you can donate at the national site there, or you can find a local organization working with Toys for Tots and do good right in your community if you're able. Again, toysfortots.org. So the one comforting thought, the saving grace, if you will, is that I am certain, I am absolutely certain that Dave Filoni and John Favreau, to a lesser extent potentially, but really Dave Filoni, has thought this through very carefully and has all the explanations that are needed for the answers to these questions, or he's decided that there are some things that don't need to be revealed necessarily, like we don't really need to know how he survived the Sarlacc pit, but for all these other logistical things, I am certain that they have been well thought out and that he has the answers to them and that they will be revealed in time, or at least the ones that are going to drive us crazier than others will probably be answered in due time. So fingers crossed that that day comes sooner rather than later. Heck, maybe in the Disney Gallery series for season two of The Mandalorian. Wouldn't that be fun? All right, that's where we're going to leave things for the show today. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you, wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7 by 7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7 by 7 We hope you love it.